Romans 8. We're going to read verses 28 through 31 once again today. And I'll be reading from the New King James Version. And we know that all things work together for good to those who love God, to those who are the called according to His purpose, for whom He foreknew, He also predestined to be conformed to the image of His Son, that He might be the firstborn among many brethren. Moreover, whom He predestined, these He also called, whom He called, these he also justified, and whom he justified, these he also glorified. What then shall we say to these things? If God is for us, who can be against us? Let's pray once again. Heavenly Father, we give you thanks for your word and your truth, and Lord, for such a great salvation. And, and I pray, Lord, that you would help us today to understand your great goodness toward us. Lord, help us to see your glorious truth that's found in these wonderful passages. Pour out your Spirit upon us, Father. And I pray in Christ's name, amen. Amen. Now, if we've been working our way through the book of the Romans, we've been in chapter 8 for a while now. And, and a few Sundays ago, we, we looked at the called you know, those who are the called according to his purpose and whom he called, these he also justified, and whom he justified, these he also glorified. And last Sunday, with it being Communion Sunday, I kind of jumped to the justified, and we looked at the justified. And we know from Romans 3, verses 24 and 25, Paul had said this previously in the book of Romans, being justified freely by his grace, through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus, whom God set forth as a propitiation by His blood. So God sent His only begotten Son. He set Him forth. He sent Him to this earth that He created for a purpose, and that purpose was the cross, to give His blood as a ransom, as a propitiation for sin. And then in Romans 5, verses 8 and 9, but God demonstrates His own love toward us and that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Child of God, aren't you thankful for that? That while we were yet sinners, He loved us and died for us. Much more than having now been justified by His blood, we shall be saved from wrath through Him. So having been washed clean by the blood of Jesus Christ, we who believe the children of God will stand before God the Father, holy, blameless, above reproach. We will not fall under condemnation and under God's wrath. There is therefore now, what? No condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. So all who by faith believe in Christ, His atoning blood that was shed upon the cross, and His glorious resurrection are justified before God. Justified. Brought into a right relationship, a right standing with God. And today we want to return to verse 29 in regard to foreknowledge and having been predestined. And we know, we know that for centuries these two words have been the circle of 
many a theological debate throughout the years. And my prayer is that we may all be faithful to God's Word. Let His Word speak and believe what it says. That's what we want to do. We want to be faithful to His Word. So let's read once again Romans 8, 28 and 29. And we know... (laughs) I like how Paul uses that so often, don't you? Child of God, what do you know? Well, this I know, that all things work together for good to those who love God. Wait a minute. All things? You mean all things? Yes, all things. All things. He will work all things together for good. He will work a stroke together for good. He will work cancer together for good. He will work the mountaintop experiences together for good. He has promised He will do these things. To those who are the called according to His purpose, for whom He foreknew, He also predestined to be conformed to the image of His Son, that he, that Christ, might be the firstborn among many brethren. Now, just that wonderful promise of verse 28. And let me remind, let's go back and remind ourselves, since it's been several weeks, of verses 17 and 18. And keep that verse 28 in mind as we read this. And if children, then heirs, heirs of God, and joint heirs with Christ, if indeed we suffer with him, that we may also be glorified Together, for I consider that the sufferings of this present time are not worthy to be compared with the glory which shall be revealed in us. The glory that will be revealed in us. And and, and this pairs so well with what Paul said in 2 Corinthians 4.17. You know this, for our light affliction, which is but for a moment, is working for us a far more exceeding and eternal weight of glory. So we will be able, child of God, to endure whatever suffering that comes to us in this life because we know what awaits us. Glory awaits us. Glory, the presence of God. And we know our Heavenly Father will work all these things together for good. Isn't that a glorious promise? when we're going through trials, tribulations, sicknesses, all manner of things in this life, that He will work them together for our good and for His glory. That is a a praise moment right there for what He will do. So now, in uh, Romans 8, verse 29, Paul is going to give support to this promise, to the promise of, of verse 28 in the verses prior. And it says, for, in regard to what he just been said, or could be because, for or because, whom he foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the image of his son, that he might be the firstborn among many brethren. God foreknew us and predestined us. Well, what does that mean? Well, <laughs> maybe we talk a little bit about what it doesn't mean and what is said so often among so many people that I've talked to. Many people think that to foreknew, foreknow us who are children of God, many have this idea that God looks through time into the future and sees those 
See, they want to take 4 new and turn it into 4C. He foresees those who will believe. And so he predestines them for salvation because of what they did, of their own will, they believe. That's what many, many, I mean many, believe that. But just let me say that foresees and foreknew is two very different things. And so, because we, we, we know this, God foresees everything. Amen? He foresees everything. Past, present, future, God is not within the realm of time like we are. He knows everything. He is the Alpha and the Omega. Now, this is an attribute of God. He is omniscient. He is all-knowing. He is fully aware of the past, present, and future. As we've said, and some of you have said, nothing takes God by surprise. Nothing, because He knows. He knows the beginning and the end. Nothing takes him by surprise. He knows it all. He sees it all. His knowledge is total. So, does God foresee the faith of all who will believe? Yes, of course he does. But there's a bigger question. Where did this saving faith come from? See, that's that's the part that the people that hold on to that other belief don't want to talk about. Well, where did that faith come from? Is it of our own doing? Is it by my own will? It is, of, of course not. We read Ephesians 2 verses 8 and 9 so often, don't we? Where does our faith come from? Let's, let's look at it again in 8 and 9, Ephesians 2. For by grace you have been saved through faith, and that not of yourself. That, that faith by which you were saved is, is not of your own work and your own conjuring. It is what? It is the gift of God, not of works, lest anyone should boast. I, I like that that was added there at the end, don't you? Because if, if my salvation was all me, man, I could brag about that. Uh, in heaven, oh, yeah, oh, yeah. I, man, I had the good sense that, that, that yeah, that, that faith was all mine, and I'm, I'm so glad I'm so good and so so wonderful and perfect it was me. No, it's not. No, it's not. It's by grace through faith. And that faith is a gift of God. So can God foresee a person's faith? Yes. But keep in mind that it was God that put that faith there and not we ourselves. Remember, foresee is not the same as foreknew. Well, then what does Paul mean when he says foreknew? Well, let, let's go back into Scripture and, and see some examples of, of this word being used in Scripture. We're going to go on the Old Testament. We're going to go to Amos chapter 3, verses 1 and 2. Amos 3, 1 and 2. Hear this word that the Lord has spoken against you, See, now Amos, the, the prophet, he's the children of Israel. They, they've disobeyed again. They have wandered from God. And, and so now here's Amos. Hear this word that the Lord has spoken against you, O children of Israel, against the whole family which I, I brought up from the land of Egypt, saying, 
you only have I known of all the families of the earth. Therefore, I will punish you for all your iniquities. God said, only you I have known. Well, wait a minute. I thought God was omniscient. I thought he knew all things. Didn't he know the other families of the earth? Well, of course he did. You understand what he's saying? Only you have I known. That, that, that means only you have I set my love upon. Only you I have called to be my chosen children. Do you see that? Only you have I known. Was it, was it the children of Israel that decided to be the chosen ones? Were they the ones that said, you know what? I think we need to be the children of God. Was it them that decided that? No. Who was it? It was God. It was God and his plans and purposes. Let's read Deuteronomy 7, verses 6 through 9. Deuteronomy 7, 6 through 9. For you are a holy people to the Lord your God. The Lord your God has chosen you to be a people for himself, a special treasure above all the peoples on the face of the earth. The Lord did not set his love on you nor choose you because you were more in number than any other people. For you were the least of all peoples, but because the Lord loves you and because he would keep the oath which he swore to your fathers, the Lord has brought you out with a mighty hand and redeemed you from the house of bondage, from the hand of Pharaoh, king of Egypt. Therefore know that the Lord your God, he is God and faithful, the faithful God who keeps covenant and mercy for a thousand generations with those who love him and keeps his commandments. Why did God choose this little group of people out of all the people of the earth? Why did he choose them? For his will and plans and purposes. We can't know the mind of God of, of why he chose this particular group, but he did. He did. You only, God said, have I known of all the families of the earth. God knew all the other families of the earth, but the others were not his chosen people. They were not his beloved. He didn't know them. You understand what we're, what we're saying when we're talking about this? Let, let's read Matthew 7. Let, let's get a statement from Jesus. Matthew 7, 21 through 23. Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, shall enter the kingdom of heaven, but he who does the will of my Father in heaven. Many will say to me in that day, Lord, Lord, have we not prophesied in your name, cast out demons in your name, and done many wonders in your name? And then I declare to you, I never knew you. Depart from me, you who practice lawlessness. Now, now this is referring to, to judgment. This is referring to the separation of the sheep from the goats, the believers from the unbelievers. Did, did God know all the others? Did Christ know all the others? Yes, he knew them, but not in this special loving way. I want to read just a quote from John MacArthur. He says things so well, uh, quote, Jesus saying, I never knew you, does not, of course, mean that he was unaware of their identity. He knows quite well who these people are. They are deceived, professing Christians whose lives were spent in the practice of lawlessness. 
They may have had God's name in their mouths, on their lips, but rebellion was in their hearts. To know was a Hebrew idiom that represented an intimate relationship. It was frequently used in speaking of marital intimacy. And many uh, examples in Genesis, Genesis 4.1. Now Adam knew Eve, his wife, and she conceived and bore Cain and said, I have acquired a man for the Lord. So Adam knew her. Well, of course he knew her. He'd been with her. Oh, this is talking about that special marital intimacy that, that brings children into the family. And the same in, in Genesis 4, verse 17. And Cain knew his wife, and she conceived and bore Enoch. So, so do you see how the word knew, they knew them in talking of a special intimacy. Now let me continue with the quote. It was also used of God's special intimacy with his chosen people Israel and with all those who trust in him. In Nahum chapter 1 verse 7. The Lord is good, a stronghold in the day of trouble, and he knows those who trust in him. He knows them with a special intimate love. In a unique and beautiful way, the Lord knows those who trust Him, who take refuge in Him. The Good Shepherd knows His sheep intimately. End quote. And we can read that Good Shepherd in John 10. Let's just be reminded. Now, John 10, verse 11. Jesus said, I am the Good Shepherd. The Good Shepherd gives His life for the sheep. And, and that's exactly what He did, isn't it? He gave His life on the cross. And then look at verse 14. Jesus said, I am the good shepherd, and I what? Know my sheep. I know my sheep, and I am known by my own. So when Paul said, for whom he foreknew, Paul is saying, for whom God has set his special love upon, those he has chosen or elected for salvation, those called according to God's plan and purposes. In Acts 2, let's go there. And this is Peter. This is that great sermon um, on the day of Pentecost and in which Peter is, is uh, explaining the plan of salvation to the Jews of Jerusalem. And he says this in verses 22 and 23. Men of Israel, hear these words. Jesus of Nazareth, a man attested by God to you by miracles, wonders, and signs which God did through him in your midst, as you yourself also know, him being delivered by the determined purpose and foreknowledge of God. You have taken by lawless hands and have crucified and put to death. So him who God had sent a determined purpose and foreknowledge. See, Peter is not merely telling his listeners that God knew Jesus would be crucified. Rather, he is saying that God sent him to be crucified, a determined plan beforehand god knew that this would take place because he had determined it would take place we have the same thing in acts 4 and and this is as the disciples and other followers were crying out to god this is a prayer or cry out to god in acts 4 verses 27 and 28 for truly against your holy servant jesus whom you anointed, they're talking to God, they're crying out to God. 
For truly against your holy servant Jesus, whom you anointed, both Herod and Pontius Pilate, with the Gentiles and the people of Israel, were gathered together to do, now listen, now listen, to do whatever your hand and your purpose determined before to be done. Do we see that? Why did this take place? By God's determined purpose. The foreknowledge of God. His determined plan. Uh, someone said this, and I thought this was a good saying, that God foreknows. God foreknows what will be by determining what shall be. I thought that was good. That's that's pretty provoke, uh, mind-provoking, isn't it? God foreknows what will be by determining what shall be. Nothing takes God by surprise, His determined plans and purposes, you see. Let, let's go into 1 Peter chapter 1, verses 1 and 2. 1 Peter 1, 1 and 2. Peter, an apostle of Jesus Christ, to the pilgrims of the dispersion in Pontus, Galatia, Cappadocia, Asia, and Bithynia, elect according to the, now listen, elect according to the foreknowledge of God the Father in sanctification of the Spirit for obedience and sprinkling of the blood of Jesus, grace to you and peace be multiplied. The elect of God for His plans and His purposes. And again, uh, that verse 2 doesn't mean that God chose them because He foresaw that they would believe on or obey Jesus Christ, but rather the reverse. They believed and were sanctified because God chose them to be saved. For God's plans and purposes, God had set His love upon them before the foundation of the earth. How can we comprehend that? We can't. We can't. We cannot know the mind of God, but we trust His Word. Amen? We trust His Word and what it says. Now let's drop down into 1 Peter 1. Verses 18 through 21. Well, I said in, in the book of Romans, we're going to wade through some deep waters and, and some, at least out in the world, some controversial waters. And we need to know what we believe on these things when we get into conversations. We need to know what the Word truly says and what we believe. In First Peter 1, verses 18 through 21 knowing that you were not redeemed with corruptible things like silver or gold from your aimless conduct received by tradition from your fathers, but with the precious blood of Christ, as of a lamb without blemish and without spot. He indeed was foreordained. The ESV reads foreknown. The, the NIV reads chosen. So he was indeed foreordained, foreknown, chosen. When? before the foundation of the world, but was manifest in these last times for you. How was, he, how was Christ made manifest to us? Well, in that babe in a manger over 2,000 years ago. He came to this earth that He created. He came, made manifest. He indeed was foreordained before the foundation of the world, but was manifest in these last times for you who through Him believe in God who raised Him from the dead and gave Him glory so that your faith and your hope are in God. So our faith and hope is in God. Jesus, foreordained, foreknown, chosen by God, 
before the foundation of the world. Think about that. Think about that. Before the creation of the world, before the creation of man and woman, before the fall within the garden, God had already determined, appointed, foreordained Jesus to be our Savior, to die on the cross as a ransom, a payment for sin. How can we understand that? But this I know I trust it to be so because God has said it. You know, I, there's many things in the Word of God that I trust and I believe even though I can't comprehend it in my tiny brain. But I believe it because God has said it. He said it. Romans 8, verse 29. Let's read it one more time. For whom he foreknew. Do we understand a bit of who this is? The ones he foreknew. The ones who before the foundation of the earth has set his love upon. For whom he foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the image of his Son, and he that he might be the firstborn among many brethren. Foreknew, or foreknowledge, looks at the beginning of God's purpose in his act of choosing those on whom he will set his love. It is according to God's sovereign will, plans, and purposes God chooses. And I know there will be many objections in the world to this. Maybe some objections that would come from this group that's even here this morning. But believe what the Word of God says. So what about predestine or predestinate? It looks to the end. It looks to the end. To the destiny of those on which He, God, has set His love. Those He foreknew. So foreknowledge is the beginning of God's purposes. Before time began, predestined, just within it is that word destiny, that our destiny is chosen, our end is chosen for all those he foreknew. Well, what is the end? Well, to be conformed to the image of Christ, to be glorified together with him. God has chosen and predetermined the destiny of everyone he foreknew. God's word says, let, let, let's read Ephesians 1. Let's go to Ephesians 1, verses 3 through 12. Ephesians 1, 3 through 12. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places in Christ. Now Paul is writing this to believers. The ones who have been blessed with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places in Christ. Just as He, now listen, listen, just as He chose us in Him before the foundation of the world. Why? That we should be holy and without blame before Him in love, having predestined us to adoption as sons by Jesus Christ to Himself according to the good pleasure of His will. Why does God do these things? It's according to the good pleasure of His will. Of His will to the praise of the glory of His grace by which He made us accepted in the Beloved. Who made us accepted? The Lord. By which He 
made us accepted in the beloved. In him we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins, according to the riches of his grace, which he made to abound toward us in all wisdom and prudence, having made known to us the mystery of his will, according to his good pleasure, which he purposed in himself. See how many times the word of God says this, for his plans and purposes, for his will, not ours, his. Verse 10, that in the dispensation of the fullness of the times, he might gather together in one all things in Christ, both which are in heaven and which are on earth, in him. In him also we have obtained an inheritance, being predestined according to the purpose of his will. Uh, Our inheritance, our, our, our glorification, our presence with Christ, predetermined, predestined for all those he foreknew, for all those whom he has set his love upon. In him also we have obtained an inheritance being predestined according to the purpose of him who works all things according to the counsel of his will. Never forget that. God works all things according to the counsel of his will. Don't don't be pointing your finger at God and say, that's not fair. He has made us. We are his. And who are we? And we're going to be getting into this in chapter 9, aren't we? Who are we to say to the potter who made us, why did you make me this kind of vessel? Well, yeah, we're going to be getting to, you're going to hear a lot of this over the next few weeks. Well, I shouldn't say a few, next a whole lot of weeks probably. In him also we have obtained an inheritance being predestined according to the purpose of him who works all things according to the counsel of his will that we who first trusted in Christ should be to the praise of his glory. <laughs> so all of us who, who know that we are saved. Well, oh, we can we can throw out our chest and, and we can boast. Oh boy, look at us! I'm, I'm one of God's chosen. I, I'm one of God's elect. I, I've got this this predetermined inheritance waiting for me. The final destiny with Christ, and we can boast of our election. No. No. It's quite the contrary. When I think about such things, you know what I think about? I think about why would God choose me for salvation? Me, a sinner, why would He set His love upon me? And I'm so thankful. And He did it according to His plans and purpose. Child of God, consider that. Why would He choose you? Why would He set His love upon you? Man, do we have so much to give thanks for and to praise Him for, child of God. I'm I'm astonished and and I marvel that God would have mercy on such an undeserving sinner as me. And you should feel the same way. Oh, there's no boasting. Oh, far from it. There should be humility at the foot of the cross of Jesus Christ. That's what it should be. Let's go back to Romans 8. Let's read that 28 through 30 one more time. And we know that all things work together for good 
to those who love God, to those who are the called according to His purpose. For whom He foreknew, He also predestined to be conformed to the image of His Son, that He might be the firstborn among many brethren. Moreover, whom He predestined, these He also called, and whom He called, these He also justified, and whom He justified, these He also glorified. But what about the person that is lost? The one who is not at this present time a born-again child of God. And someone may say, well, how do I know? How do I know? How, how do I know if I'm, if I'm God's elect? How, how do I know that I've been chosen by God? Well, well, here, just let me say this. You will know when the Holy Spirit comes and convicts you of sin. You will know when the Spirit convicts you in that prelude to your conversion. You will know when God opens your eyes to see the truth of the gospel of Christ and by grace through faith you believe. That's how you know. That's how you know. Because because apart from that, anyone who would hear the message of the cross and they're yet in their sin, it's nothing but foolishness. How often do we look at those verses? The message of the cross is foolishness to those who are perishing. They have no concern for it. Ah, that don't mean anything. But when it does mean something, what does that say? When when Scripture comes to life and, and, and it means something, that means, a, or at least the way I see it, that, that the Holy Spirit is working on you. That He's convicting you of sin. That He's opening up His Word of truth that you might see. And He's breathing new life, spiritual life in you. You see, the, the, the dividing line is always this. Believers, unbelievers. That's the dividing line. I ask the question almost every Sunday, do you believe? You see, by faith granted from God the Father, do you believe that you are a sinner? Believe that Jesus came to die in your place to pay your penalty? Do you believe that He rose from the dead the third day? Do you believe and has this belief been revealed to you by God's call upon your life? Then trust Him. Confess your sins. Believe. John 3, verses 14 through 16. And as Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, even so must the Son of Man be lifted up, that whoever believes in Him should not perish but have eternal life. For God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son that whoever believes in Him should not perish but have everlasting life. Let's pray once again. Heavenly Father, I, I pray that we have been faithful to Your Word today. I pray that, that by Your Spirit, Your Word of truth has gone out. And I pray that, Lord, that You would help us to understand of Your goodness, of Your mercy, of, of Your wondrous plans and purposes. Lord, help me, help us, Lord, to trust You, to trust Your hand. And Father, should there be someone who is yet lost, Father, I pray that You would have mercy. I pray that You would call them to Yourself through Christ Jesus.
I pray that you would open their eyes, that, that they could see the truth of the gospel of Christ. I pray, Lord, that you would grant them faith that they might believe. I pray, Father, that you would grant them repentance as they would fall before you and confess their sin, that they are a sinner before you. So help them, Father. And help us, Lord, to, to not be shy about sharing the good news, the gospel of Christ. Father, help us who are born again to know, to know what wondrous love has been bestowed to us and that we would give thanks every day, every moment for such a great salvation. It's in Christ's name I pray. Amen.